You're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with the most visionary humans on this earth in hopes that you'll be able to absorb their wisdom, avoid their failures, and feel less alone on the roller coaster ride that is entrepreneurship. This season, I'll be chatting with creative thinkers, masterful marketers, brick and mortar shop owners, brand builders, and people just like you who have a story to share or a vision that inspires. If I can share one quick secret with you before we get into the episode, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. You know, that spark that nudges us to pursue our full potential in this lifetime. But perhaps somewhere along the line, it got covered up. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to explore that inner voice and access the brilliance deep down inside of you. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. Rivers Corbett is a serial entrepreneur, a passionate mentor, and most recently, he is the founder of an experience company called Cheftorial, which offers virtual culinary experiences hosted by top-tier chefs that you can tune into from the comfort of your own home. The idea to launch Cheftorial was actually a pivot that Rivers was forced to make when COVID hit, since his previous company taught all in-person events. So this conversation is one of adapting, pivoting, and responding to change, something Rivers is no stranger to. He's been an entrepreneur for over 20 years and has learned a thing or two about what it really takes to succeed. In this episode, Rivers and I discuss how he was able to start a chef talent agency, even though he's not even a chef and how you could do the same, why it's important to look for the opportunity or lesson in every challenge, why taking care of yourself is actually number one priority as a business owner. He shares the books he recommends to all new business owners, why why his burger chain Relish ended up shutting down due to bankruptcy, why it's important that we normalize failure and so many other lessons. I'd highly encourage you to connect with Rivers on LinkedIn and be sure to check out the Cheftorial website to book your next event. These are such fun evenings in the virtual world, but you know, have a friend over or have your significant other there and just enjoy. We cooked up Mexican. We had tequila. We had tacos. We had churros. I had a friend over and it was so much fun. So I especially loved the sociable moments and I may have woken up with a slight hangover the next day. If you want to connect with Chef Toriel, go to cheftorial.com. If you want to connect with Rivers, go to rivers.coach. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. I loved talking with Rivers and I'll catch you on the other side for a recap. All right, Rivers, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I am so excited to sit down with you today because last week, actually, and you and I were just giggling about this in the pre-chat, a friend of mine came over and we actually got to have our very first chef-torial experience. And we did lime margaritas, we did tacos, we did churros. Kelsey, her name's (laughs) Hillary, okay? Don't let her get away from that. Call her out. (laughs) And she was totally distracting me, but we had the most fun I have had in months, I think, uh, joining in this virtual cooking experience. So, you know, why don't we kick off there? Because I know Chef Toriel is a business that you actually started within the last 12 or so months, and it actually came out of this whole COVID global pandemic. So do you want to actually share with the listeners, why did you start Chef Toriel? 
Yeah, well, thank you for the question. And thanks for allowing me the opportunity to be with you today. I'm really honored to be here, Kelsey. So, yeah, actually, the journey with Chef Toriel started over 20 years ago. Um, uh, my business partner and I, who's no longer with the business, uh, we, we started a company called Rent-A-Chef many years ago. And the whole idea was to take advantage of the momentum, the branding that was happening um, with because of the Food Network. And people just being naturally gravitating towards, you know, the interest around chefs, the white coat, you know, it used to be the military man. Now it's the, the chef woman man with their uniforms and, and all those things that really became attractive. So we, we started a journey of building a chef talent agency centered around looking for opportunities for chefs in our region, which is primarily in Eastern Canada, to, uh, to look for opportunities for them to do some, some, some cool extracurricular activity outside of the, the restaurant. So that was consulting, that was speaking, that would have been obviously catering, food prep, whatever. But the mainstay for us had uh, always been in the food, the, the cooking class world. And uh, it really afforded us uh, a really nice journey, particularly with Canada's, uh, one of Canada's largest grocers, Sobeys, where we, we, we enjoyed an illustrious journey with them where week after week after week, we did cooking classes in their stores. At its height, we were doing about 80 a week for them uh, and just providing them with chefs to do talent. And I want to pause there for a sec to have everybody know I am not a chef at all. I'm a chef pimp. <laughs> that's my role. That's my responsibility. And so, uh, and, and so that's kind of the fun thing about it. My friends laugh at me. Said, you don't know anything about cooking, yet you put your th kid through school, pay a mortgage and everything around the food and beverage world. But, uh, and that's part of this conversation. Well, how can you do that? Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, it was all good, you know, and, and it was good, but it was lazy to be quite honest with you because it really became a cash cow, yeah. uh, rinse in, rinse, you know, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And, um, and then COVID came along, and of course, all the Sobeys uh, community rooms closed down. They didn't allow any extracurricular stuff happening. We were also running the restaurant at the Fredericton Airport. You know what happened with flights. And so, you know, I, I went from uh, really having, you know, a, a full-fledged, wonderful investment into having nothing in literally two weeks. And, um, and you know, and this isn't a pity party. That's just the way it is. And, and as, as my friend Haley Bohan said to me, about a month into the uh, the pandemic, she says, "Remember, she says this is what entrepreneurs are made of. This is what we we made. We face pandemics every day. Yeah. What's the big deal with this one? You know, we get punched. So you get we got to roll up the punches and so on. And so that's what I did. Um, I said, okay, how can I take my foundational knowledge that I've had over the past twenty years? And as my accountant told me, uh, he said, Rivers, you've always been successful when you've been a chef pimp." Why do you keep trying to do other things that aren't really where your talent is and where your history of, of success is? And once everything's gone, you tend to listen a little bit more <laughs> because you don't have the luxury of making mistakes going forward. So I decided to be a virtual chef pimp and from scratch put together uh, this, this, this program now, this business now we call Cheftorial and taking the the experiences of what a cooking class experience is all about. And it's important that, that people understand this is not a social experiment we're into. We are a business supporting businesses by yeah. helping them educate their clients specifically related to, uh, to the culinary world. And who better to do that than chefs? 
So, um, and so that's one thing. And the other thing is, is that uh, we understand that, that uh, teaching uh, is not just about being a great knowledge in the head, but you've got to be able to connect with people. I, I like to say that, that uh, my, my, I've got two, 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 two degrees. My worst, my best, prof- the smartest professors were the PhDs, but they were also the worst. Yeah. They just couldn't connect with people, right? And so our, chef, our chefs are very talented when it comes to connecting with the heart, the head, and the stomach. And so, um, so, so off we went. And it was a little bit of an experiment in the beginning because I didn't quite know where the traction was going to be. I mean, all of us back in COVID time were like starting from the same starting, beginning at the same starting line. What do you do? What this is all about? And so uh, I looked at I looked at three main variables that were successful for us. And I know you got other questions there, but it is part of the story. <laughs> no, keep is going. That, okay, <laughs> is that first of all, Zoom overnight became you know the way to communicate, um, and not and and the way to communicate not only from a business perspective, but now a consumer perspective too. And, and so that was, that was wonderful for 20 bucks a month, for goodness sakes, what an opportunity to communicate to the world for 20 bucks. Uh, second of all, chefs are all down displaced. Restaurants are closed. Uh, hotels are closed. All the traditional forms of employment of chefs is gone. And these men and women who are wonderful technicians are not good entrepreneurs. And so they're waiting for what do I do next? And by the way, that's why eight out of 10 restaurants fail because re- chefs are not technicians or not entrepreneurs, they're technicians. And, and by the way, I'm not a chef, so I'm not a good technician. It's all part of the team coming together, right? And so they became available. Not only did they become available, but they weren't restricted by geography anymore. So if I was doing an event in Halifax, I didn't have to rely on a chef in Halifax anymore. I could bring them in from Toronto, Vancouver, or Melbourne, Australia, if I wanted to. The next piece was, of course, the significant increase in the amount of um, of, uh, of uh, people interested in home cooking. Um, there's, there's, I love what somebody said one time during the journey we've been on. Is the, the kitchens became the new commute. You leave your office, you commute through the kitchen, and then you go to visit your family on the other side. And so the passion of learning how to cook became so big for us. So. We, uh, we, we, we took those three variables and then we said, okay, where's the industry that most needs what it is that we're doing? And we found, we figured it was the virtual event space, those planners, those professionals who were trying to build meeting spaces, events online, but we didn't know how to do to bring the food and beverage experience to play. And, you know, when you do an event prior to COVID, venue, food and beverage, those are the first two things you talk about. Well, now it's like, I don't know how to bring that, but it's still, it's, to me, it's, it's, a, it's probably more important because the potential of people leaving a virtual event goes up through the roof because they're having a nap and just had a pizza or a fire stick or whatever. So we found that space. We found that lane and really just started knocking on doors. So, so how do we execute it? And then I'm almost done this, this, uh, this journey. We do it through what you experienced, Chef Torials. I love the name. It's just, it's, so, it's such a brilliant name. And, and I say that, but we went for cooktorial.com to see if we could have that plus Chef Torial. Well, cooktorial.com was available for $4,000. Chef Torial <laughs> was available for 11 bucks. Wow. Okay. How lucky is that, eh? I mean, you're an online marketer. You understand the importance of those types of names. Absolutely. So, and we, so we bring people together. We, uh, we bring them together in a, in, a, in a setting that's just like a regular event. We have about 15 to 20 kitchens that arrive to work with a chef in building a menu 
for the uh, for for the next ninety minutes. And you and Hillary, when you were paying attention, you built <laughs> tacos and margaritas. And you know, we override that with it's just just it isn't just education. It's fun. I mean, you said it's the most fun you had in a while. That's lovely. Yeah. Music to my ears. We bring in a maritime tradition called the sociable. Everybody yeah. raises their glasses and says the sociable. So we take people through that 90 minutes of community, of friendship, and uh, and so on, and they leave with a fun time, a beautiful meal made, and uh, that can either be part of an event or it can be the event itself. Mm-hmm. And we've now done events throughout uh, North America for clients throughout North America into the UK. We just got booked to do one for a group out of South Africa, uh, through Australia, New Zealand, and it's because it's all virtual. There's no customs officers now. It's absolutely best thing ever, best blessing I've ever had in my business ever. Um, and so out of the, out of the ashes came an opportunity to be where mm-hmm. I am today, sitting in front of you having, well, right now we're not having a conversation. You're listening. <laughs> well, we'll say it's a virtual coffee date. How yes, we'll call it it that. Yeah. Okay. But I have to ask, so of course your whole business was essentially ripped out from under you because of COVID happening. Did you have a period of time where you felt like, what the heck am I going to do? Where you were just kind of like laying in bed, feeling hopeless, or have you always had this mindset of adapt, pivot, where's the opportunity? Like, you know, thinking of all the displaced chefs, like what was your feeling when you first realized that in-person classes were no longer? Yeah, it was. So thank you for the question. The the answer, first of all, I mean, I've been in this business of being an entrepreneur for 22, 23 years. I've been hit hard. I've got yeah. scars. Mm-hmm. I've been battle torn. I've won a lot of battles. I've been at the top of the mountain. It hasn't just all been what I've just described. So yeah. I'm, I'm, when that stuff starts to happen, I go, okay, here it comes. Here no it comes. big deal. You're trained how to respond because you've been there, done that. It's a, I remember when my business partner, he embezzled on me. And I remember telling that to an older entrepreneur. He says, yeah, yeah, it's just a rite of passage. And so I've been through a lot of rites of passage. So I know how to respond. Now, the other side of it, my kids are all older. You have children. So you have responsibilities. Mine are all gone. They're not gone, but you know, they're, they're out of university. My responsibilities are fulfilled. And so I really, really had nothing to lose by diving in. The challenge with me was diving in and keeping discipline focus during that time period. And you go to deep work sprints, so you know what I mean. So I was fortunate enough to put an idea together and then put disciplined focus, like regular focus on putting my head down and making it happen because I didn't have the luxury of mucking up because I didn't have something to fall back on. The government was there, lots of nice money coming my way, but this is, this is it. This is, and so I just put caution to the wind and my attitude just went, I'm going to make it happen, which was much more in the past because I got lazy Mm because it was easy in the past. Now I was stuck in the fight. I had to do it. So, so, so that was there, but I don't want your audience to think I don't work on that every day. I do personal development every day. I exercise every day. I go through those those elements of, of making sure that my mind and my body are ready to, to, to be in that world. And, you know, a buddy of mine, he interviewed me for his podcast the other day. He says, Rivers, I haven't heard from you in eight months. I've seen what you're doing with Chef Toriel, but I don't see you. I, I see the, the, the results of that. That's because it's 
in the heads down discipline. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so anyway, that's, that's how I, I think I could best answer that. And, and but I've never been scared along this, this journey because I've got nothing to lose. I got everything to gain. Cause I don't have anything. I mean, I literally that. I have, I mean, I've had family, I've love, you know, there's money in the bank. It's all from the government. And so <laughs> that's actually the greatest thing in the world to have nothing because <laughs> you can just go right. Everything's uphill. And it has Absolutely. Been. It's been a great journey up the mountain. Yeah. Great and journey. I'm happy that you share, uh, quite honestly, that you've been through many, you know, uh, crises in the past as an entrepreneur for 20 some years. And, mm. you know, because a lot of the listeners of this show are in their first one, two to three years of business, having COVID hit was like, oh my God, I might just have to give up, right? Because perhaps they haven't flexed that resilience muscle yet. And they haven't encountered all of the peaks and valleys that are actually, like you said, just a rite of passage of being an entrepreneur. Those aren't going away, right? We are going to have to deal with much worse, maybe, uh, you know, a whole slew of other crises in our time as business owners. And so I think it's important to hear stories like this, where, you know, this This is going to continue happening and it's really in how you respond and like you said, how you equip yourself as a human being. Like Mm. you were saying, you focus on personal development every day. You said you were exercising. You show up to things like virtual co-working because you have to keep yourself as strong as possible so that when these peaks and valleys happen, you almost remain stoic, I guess, in a way. It's like you can't take the highs too high because you know eventually it's going to come back to, you know, a level place and you can't totally quit and go into a hole when you encounter these low lows because you know that there's more opportunity that awaits on the other side of COVID. And so, um, you know, talk, can you talk a bit more about why you focus so much on taking care of you and showing up for yourself in order to be a great entrepreneur. Coming up, I continue my conversation. We'll be right back. Stay with us. A quick word from our premier sponsor of the Visionary Life podcast, and that is Healthy Planet. If you are a health nut like me, you're going to love that you can save money on the brands you already purchase by ordering online from Healthy Planet. They love our visionary community and want to support all of us in living our best lives. So you can shop at Healthy Planet entirely online and products will be dropped at your doorstep within just a few days. It's so easy, so convenient, and that gives you no excuse to say it's really hard to eat healthy because it's not. So treat your body, your mind, and your business with the fuel it deserves from Healthy Planet. You can shop by department, dietary need, or even just check out the sale rack. It's such an efficient way to ensure you're stocked up on all your favorite health goods all of the time. Use code VISIONARY10 at checkout to save on your Healthy Planet order. That's VISIONARY10 at checkout. This is the Visionary Life Podcast. Welcome back. Let's get into the conversation once again. Well, thank you for that. Um, the answer is because I know what it's like not to look after myself. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, I've uh, I've suffered from three bouts of depression along my journey as an entrepreneur. Uh, the first one took me out three months, uh, where I thought that I, my my world was falling in. And, and depression, first, a couple of things is from my journey, and I don't know if you've had journeys yourself or with with uh, family members, but yep. for your audience, depression is purely chemical. It's nothing to do with mental. 
Yes. I mean, someone looks at me, Rivers Corbett with depression. I'm a positive, upbeat guy, but yeah, because it's chemical. Yeah. And so, so I, by going through depression, I really understood that I need to always look after my health. And at the basis of that, if I'm not looking after my health, it's probably going to fall at yeah. some point in time. You just can't keep up with it. And uh, Richard Branson actually asked the question, that question one time in his, um, to an audience. He says, what's the number one thing you need to do to help your business be successful? And I always, I always love the question because people's natural answers, good customers, uh, look after your suppliers, get good cash flow, positive brand, um, you know, marketing. And he says, no, you look after your health. It's the number one thing you need to do to look after your business. Not that the others aren't important. But if you're not there, if you're not there looking after your health, so how do I do it? Because I know what it's like to not do it. And it's ugly. It's ugly, 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 particularly when you have a young family and you can't provide for them. Yeah. It's an ugly journey. So, um, so that's one way. The other one, the other one is, is that I say I've been through a lot of uh, uh, battles, but um, I, I'm going to suggest to your listeners. Um, I, I read a book. I read a book recently, and I, I, I studied it. And actually, it was recommended to me. I'm a big fan of Matthew McConaughey, and yeah. uh, he he wrote uh, a recent book. I listened to the audio book. It's called Green Lights. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, so uh, but he talks about a book called The Greatest Salesman in the World. And yep. the greatest salesman in the world, interesting, is not how to be the greatest salesman in the world. It's about to adapt certain principles in your journey as the greatest salesman in the world. And one of the ones, and you touched on it, is understanding not to let the extremes get at you. So when things are really good, don't get too high on yourself because it's going to come down and you're going to be down here. And if you're not able to just say, okay, that's just the way it is, that's just the way it is, then you're, you're going to become an emotional wreck and, and very unstable in your business. So I love the fact that you identified that. And the greatest salesman in the world book really taught me some very basic principles of life, let alone business, that I adopt every day, and I make sure that I'm following those 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 principles. Yeah. And so those are uh, those are some some ways in which I've uh, you know focused on that element of your question. Um, but it's 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 also important for your audience to remember, and I know they're mainly first, second, and third, and congratulations on taking probably the greatest journey of your life, by the way. It's, mm-hmm. it's a great journey being an entrepreneur. Absolutely. I, I, I firmly believe that entrepreneurs are going to save the world. I really do. I start with all due respect to the nurses and doctors. They don't work if they don't get paid. So who ends up with the tax base? The entrepreneurs. And so, um, so I'm a firm believer in, in, in that whole piece of uh, making sure that those uh, that you're doing that. But um, the first three years, particularly the first five years of being an entrepreneur, and this helps with mindset. When I work with entrepreneurs, Kelsey, I always get back, I always deal with their mindset first. I get them the first base. I don't get them around the bases. And you win the game of baseball by getting to first base. Mm-hmm. You don't win by the grand slams. And that's what we've been taught with, oh, I just got $100,000 from Kevin O'Leary. They won it. Yeah. No, you win the game by getting the first base. And the way you get the first base is you make sure your mindset is ready for the game, for the journey, for the chess game and so on. And so one of the things I tell entrepreneurs, particularly years at your stage, is they're in a laboratory right now. That's all they're in is a laboratory. And you're going to go into a laboratory that is you have a hypothesis about a business 
that you think will be successful. And it's your job to be a scientist for five years and to test, to move back and forth and to, you know, look at those formulas for success. And just like a laboratory in a, in a scientific perspective, things blow up. Mm-hmm. Bunsen burners. I don't know about you in high school. I had Bunsen burner blew up all the time in my face. Same thing happens with business. And so if you walk into that mindset, you knowing that's going to happen because you're in a, an experiment, then you can say, okay, I'm okay, because this is what's supposed to happen. And so that's part of the other training is, ah, this is what's supposed to happen. I'm, exper- I'm experiencing what's supposed to happen. And so for your entrepreneurs, study what's supposed to happen. So when it does, oh, there's no surprise. Yep. There's no crying. There's no upset. There's, this is what's supposed to happen. But Rivers, I just want to have all the success right away. I want to have a unicorn company. And I think, you know, we're, we're kind of living in this day and age where the success stories are definitely put on a pedestal. And we think that maybe the journey is going to be linear when we start our business. Like, okay, I'm just going to hide behind the scenes, write the perfect business plan and get the perfect, you know, Instagram aesthetic. And then I'm going to launch my services and it's going to be this upward trajectory. And there's got to be this clear path. Like if I just buy another online course, I'll just, I'll know the way to a million dollar business. And I think there's this mentality that like failure is a bad thing or that doing this whole experimental phase, like you're saying five years of mindset work and being a scientist. I think a lot of people, they want to bypass that or they think they can bypass that. Um, But in truth, I feel like that's where most of the learning happens is when maybe you try 25 different marketing strategies and really you get uncomfortable for five years and you realize, wow, most people have found me through this way, or most of our customers, they respond really well to a sample of our product, but you don't land on those genius marketing strategies, or you don't land on that next big idea if you are not in that experimental phase. But I think it's really challenging because uh, we don't glorify failure, but we do glorify success. So it's a shot yeah. to the ego when we fail. And I think um, it's natural for us to resist anything that makes us feel even the slightest bit uncomfortable. But I love what you're saying. Like, go into it with a mindset that failure is inevitable. The Bunsen yeah. burner will blow up yeah. and that's okay. Like that's that okay. is part of your journey, right? The, um, it's, it's, it's interesting philosophical issues that you're addressing here. I think that's a, I think it's a real shame. I, I blame the education system for why we are culturally. I do too. Adverse to, <laughs> I really do. It's, and shame on, shame on the educational system for making you feel bad if you didn't get an A and making you feel bad for a red mark, making you feel bad and the way they do that, by the way, is they glorify the A student, the perfect student, not the B student that tried and failed and learned. And by the way, most there's a great uh, guy, uh, Harv T. Ecker, I don't know, T. Ecker, I've never heard of him. He's based out of Vancouver. He talks about the millionaire mindset. Most millionaires are actually C or B students in school. And so my point is, is that, is that that's a cultural issue. 
And that's the education system. And again, for any teachers that are listening to this, glorify failure as much as you glorify success. It's really, really, really important. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I really get challenged with, well, you struggle, it's going to take you five years, but if you were going to start taking a university degree, you know it's going to take you four years right. before you get the degree. So why should the degree in entrepreneurship take a half a week or a week? And uh, and and so and here's here's the other challenge with that. Again, you've hit philosophical issues too, and I'm going to get into the education system. They suck at teaching people about the opportunity to be an entrepreneur. They yeah. suck at it. And I, interesting enough, I, when I when I research this, because I get really annoyed with it when I see it, it's actually not the teachers; it's the departments of education that are not bringing the resources together to teach people about how to be entrepreneurs. So it's terrible. So they don't they're, they're not trained; they don't have the right mindset. They look outside and they say Rivers doing all his stuff. Forget the fact he's been 22 years of doing. They go buy a business card. They build a website and they say, okay, now I'm ready. And so your audience. Please understand, it's going to take some time. Yes, there's some overnight success stories. I don't deny that, but they're few and far between. Few mm -hmm. and far between. And um, But here's what I can tell you. There's lots of people that want to help you on your journey, and all you got to do is ask. What do you mean by that? So when I, in my journey of being an entrepreneur is that entrepreneurs love helping people who want to be entrepreneurs. They're, the doors are always open. Come and chat with me. Tell me what's yeah. going on, and yeah. let me share with you some thoughts, some advice, on what you should or shouldn't be doing because I've been there, done that. But here's the key. They're not chasing you. They're not going to call you up and say, Kelsey, listen, I, I, I've heard that you're having some issues with your business. Not happening. You have to reach out to them, even if you reach out. But most entrepreneurs that I've come across love being asked for help on the journey because we're our tribe. We want our tribe to look at, to be successful. Yeah. And of course, that's, uh, that's, that's part of it. So that's what I mean by that is you've got to reach out and you've got to ask people who are ahead of you in the journey for their thoughts. And mm. uh, it's there and it's free. That's the other interesting thing. I'm so happy you brought that up because that is one thing I ad identify a lot of my community missing out on is that mm. um, ability, like we have access to anyone at this point, especially now with Zoom meetings, with at the touch or a click of a button, you can literally send someone a DM or a message or a Facebook yeah. note and people are not taking advantage of this access. And I'm not saying to go bombard everyone, you know, with like, Hey, help me. I have this business challenge, <laughs> but instead to pick a few people who you admire or who you have specific questions for, and then send them a note, but craft it really well. Like when I'm sending, say I'm sending someone like you a note, because I know you're further along the path. Like I always want to compliment you and let you know that I've been following your journey for a while and say that I've attended a cheftorial and right. then get into the ask yeah. instead of just saying like, can I have 30 minutes of your time to right. pick your brain? Like, you know, this is a human to human interaction here. Right. So make sure there's something in it for them or that you yep. show them you've been invested in their work and yep. you just have a few questions and it would be great if you can get on the phone. And I think so often people think they can just kind of sit in their office by themselves, hammering on their laptop and that they should just figure it all out. When right. in fact, like I do believe that entrepreneurs have hearts for serving others and we want to share our knowledge. Like I'm not trying to keep anything a 
secret. Um, and you know, not a secret by the way, (laughs) cause it's not right. Like everything has already been said. Maybe I say it in a different way, but most of us, we want to see others succeed. We know that entrepreneurs are kind of a unique breed, like (laughs) we're just a different type of person. And, you know, on that note, I kind of want to go Uh, back to what you said before, that the education system doesn't necessarily prime us for this big outside of the box thinking. And I know this is a topic that you're quite passionate about Mm because I actually watched, maybe it was an older TED talk that you gave about this concept (laughs) of zagging when Ah. everyone else is zigging and literally like doing things differently than the crowd in order to gain attention or in order to have a business that is remarkable. So I'm curious, can you explain this whole zagging when others are zigging concept and what it means to you? That's lovely. I appreciate you doing that, Hopper, because it's a very near and dear core fundamental of of my journey. And um, so again, to your audience, what I'm about to tell you, if you follow, I'll guarantee your success. I'll guarantee your success in per, in your personal life and also your professional life. I said, guarantee it. If you follow it daily, that gets back to the daily principles and that in life, sorry, let's see. I, it's, it's funny, but there's another comment that Richard Branson once. He says, I don't know why people call this a, you know, a work life balance. He says, isn't work part of life? It's yeah. just life balance, right? Life balance. It's I like life that. Balance. <laughs> so the, the whole element of zagging when the rest zigs is that you do what the rest of the world doesn't do or won't do. And, and you actually make it a part of your DNA. We built, I, I had a, a restaurant chain many years ago, it was 12 of them. And, and our whole philosophy, when it came to making major strategic decisions, we'd say, is this a zag? It I was, love it. Was it. A key part of our question. Yeah. Because when you're different, you stand out. When you're different, people talk about you. When you're different, people will pay more for your service or your product. If you're like everybody else, the only thing that comes down to differentiate is your price. And the person who has the deepest pocket is ultimately going to win that game. And so when you approach your business of finding, you can, and by the way, this, you, can, you can be a zagger if you're a plumber, if you're a web designer, if you're a brain scientist. If you're doing something with chef with chefs around the world, the key is you find something that's different that you can say to people, no, I do it different. And they say, oh, that is different. So um, that's a fundamental philosophy. I do. I, I do what everybody else doesn't do. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, you know, don't, don't do. It doesn't do anyway. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a grammar expert. <laughs> okay, you're not a grammar expert. But here's the other element that's really key with that. You actually live it from a personal perspective because what that does, it actually helps you to practice for your business. And so why did I come up with Chef Torio? Because I had practiced being a Zag person for over 20 years. And so when it came to designing what it is that I'm doing, and there's lots of chefs out there, there's lots of chefs doing cooking classes, but I, there's not many chef companies doing what we're doing. And we bring in the elements of the socials and social and so on. Yep. But when you live it personally, you also, you, you also get to enjoy some wonderful personal experiences. And so I'll give you a little, little example from that. I was at a conference. Uh, Richard Branson was actually in Moncton, New Brunswick. And Kevin O'Leary was there as one of the speakers. Yeah. And, he, uh, and he was at a table uh, 
when he had like six people at a table that he was just having conversations with and there was a seat beside him that was open. And I said, I started going over and I said, and I said, no, I'm zagging. And I went over and I sat down. I said, can I sit here? I had, the, I had the greatest time for an hour just hanging out with Kevin O'Leary and other people too. Yeah. I went to the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl, um, when the Patriots were playing in Philadelphia, my buddy, he got five tickets. Well, four of the tickets were all together in one part of the stadium. And he had one ticket with by themselves. And I said, give me the one by myself. Because I went on a journey of zagging. I'm just going to see where this takes me. Yeah. Well, they were up in the far end of the, they were in the last row in the end zone. I ended up being the wheelchair zone at the first level ten, on the 10 yard line, just because of the attitude. I'm just yeah. going to do this different and see where it takes me. Just talk to people and so on. So I've had great personal journeys because I say, no, I'm going to zag. I'm going to zag. And that relates to the business and, and, uh, and uh, it, 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 it'll serve you well. Mm-hmm. So ask yourself, what am I doing that's a zag for anything you do? Doesn't have to do everything. There can yeah. only be one thing and it's a it's a zag. So anyway, that's what the zag's all about. You zag when everybody else zigs. I love that concept. And, you know, I think back to myself as a child and I always felt like a rebel, like when everyone else <laughs> was doing something. I just didn't want to do it. And to this day, I've always identified as like I don't want to be any part of what the typical narrative of being a marketing coach is or of being this type. And so I think that rebellious nature has actually served me well. And I do think that we all have an inner rebel. So it's about figuring out like, what is that thing? Or as my friend um, Michael Shine, he wrote the hype handbook. He says, what is traditionally regarded as gospel in your industry that you don't agree with? And then literally make a whole campaign on that. Like if you hate that everyone else in your, like maybe you're a nutritionist and all other nutritionists, they are, you know, talking about kale and they pose in their kitchen with like a basket of lemons. Like if that pisses you off, go do something totally different and be the nutritionist that's eating pizza and saying life's about balance. And you know, if that's what you believe in, like just stand strong in it and recognize even better say kale sucks. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because it gets you attention, right? right. Um, nobody gets attention by copycatting they or don't. being a me too business and just saying, right. oh, great. Okay. So clearly I can start a burger chain too. I'll just do it like everybody else does. Nobody ever made millions of dollars doing that. But if no. you could identify like you, I think with the relish chain, you said, That's you know, right. you relish, yeah. You named all your bur- or your all your burgers different names and you would yell out customers orders and everyone yeah. would say like cheer or something say hello when people walked in yeah, or had an order because I got to tell you what the real story is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what we would do is relish was a verb to us at the at the at the at the, uh, at the business and we were all about being the Disney World of gourmet burgers. Oh and my gosh, so when- I love that. <laughs> <laughs> And so, yeah, that's part of our, my model. I always look, I love the model of Disney as an entrepreneur, but of course, always pushing the edge of creativity. And uh, so, yeah, you would come in and we'd say, uh, we, we, everybody on the team, whether what they were cooking dishwasher, you'd walk on the door and say, welcome. So everybody yelled welcome. And then Kelsey would put her order in. And yeah, she wouldn't put tomatoes and so on. She'd have a, a, a Le Nordique 
or she'd have the Bradburger, who was named after the mayor of the town of the first town that we started because oh, he cool. loved burgers. Uh, we had the Halifax explosion, which was based on, obviously on a Halifax. So, and then she put your order in and then we'd say, what's your name? And Kelsey, Kelsey would say, my name's Kelsey. So Kelsey's order's ready. We relish Kelsey, everybody, Kelsey, Kelsey. And it really became a wonderful journey. So much to the point, we had a few people who would come in and say, I don't want to give you my name. No problem. We relish the guy that won't give his name. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it is a real zag. So uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a wonderful journey and a lesson learned also. Here's another lesson learned. And if I could just lay to your audience. Yeah. Don't chase the money. When we started to grow, we chased the money. And uh, uh, we ended up getting a dog's breakfast for investors who just bastardized the entire brand um, and uh, ultimately caused the demise of the whole organization. So um, we should have we should have just done the slow and steady, but we wanted to grow fast. And so we just we took the devil's money and um, and it was terrible, just a terrible, terrible drip. But lesson learned along yeah. the way. It sounds like you do truly see every bit of your entrepreneurial journey as a lesson. And maybe it wasn't easy at the time, but I feel like you have so much wisdom and so much to share because you now have extracted what was the learning in this. And I love that you say, don't chase the money because... At that point, you probably gave up a lot of your core values of what Relish was about in hopes that obviously you would profit financially, but I'm a big proponent of writing out your core values right at the beginning and making sure Mm. that they really like light you up and that that. you're feeling fired up when you read your core values. And actually one of our core values in the Visionary Method brand is literally, which I find really weird, is um, like the you zig, I zag principle, I call it. And it's literally about like looking at what everyone else is doing and saying, I'm going to be different because that's the only way that I'm going to stand out in a crowded marketplace. And doesn't Um, it feel good when you're able to do that? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm just like them. I'm a real estate agent. So let me ask you something. Like if you have an entrepreneur that books a coffee chat with you and maybe they are a real estate agent and they're like, Rivers, I have no idea what makes me different. What would you say to them in order to kind of guide them to figuring that out? Coming up, I continue my conversation. We'll be right back. Stay with us. All right. If you are listening and you are a business owner, I want to ask you something super quick. How would it feel to double or triple the amount of clients that you have today in the next three months? I want to introduce you to the very first and last marketing course that you'll ever need. The Marketing Mastery Intensive is a three-month virtual group coaching experience that begins on Monday, May 31st. During our time together, you'll learn how to double, triple, or even 10x your business revenue by implementing the nine principles of marketing mastery. And you'll create a foolproof marketing strategy that's fun, authentic to who you are, and aligned with your goals. You're going to get access to my personal marketing strategy templates, the inside scoop on how I beat the algorithm and reach my dream clients every day. And I will be your personal guide as you implement all of the nine principles. It's like having me in your corner as a personal chief marketing officer for 90 days straight. It's going to be so good. This program is only available to the first 
10 people who sign up. So be sure to head to visionarymarketingcourse.com to learn more or join the wait list. And if you're listening to this after May 17th, you can just go ahead and sign up. Again, the link to learn more is www.visionarymarketingcourse.com. Again, visionarymarketingcourse.com. This is the Visionary Life Podcast. Welcome back. Let's get into the conversation once again. Yeah, that's a great question. I think it, what, I, what I start with first is say, you know, give me, I, I say, I get back to their brand. And I yeah. think a brand is like a child. You have children, I have children. There's a vision you have for your children when they're born and when they're growing and going to grow up. You have this in your head. So I first start to talk to them, describe the persona of your brand to me. It's 10 years down the road. And when other people are wanting, to, when other people are describing your business, how are they describing your child, your business? Yeah. And here's the greatest thing. You have regular control. When you have children, you don't have regular control. I mean, how many children do you have? I don't have kids. I don't know where I you're getting this. I don't okay. know where you're getting this impression that I have children, but I certainly don't. Well, there's kids walking nieces. around here and saying that Kelsey's their mother. <laughs> I have nieces that are always okay. on my Instagram. How many nieces so, do you have? Uh, three nieces, one nephew. Thanks for letting me look like an idiot, by the way, for as long as I like, Does he like think I have kids? How I would I balance all of this with kids? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so are, all, so are your nieces exactly the same? No. No, they're not, even though they're from the same family, right? Yeah. So this is the point is you get to describe, you get to describe and massage and give birth and to help grow that brand. So that's where I start them is define where you want to be 10 years from now with that brand. Now, yep. when people talk about that brand, what's unique about that brand that you really want them to say? So I really kind of make it into a person first, dive into those emotions versus the business practicalities. I don't want them to think that way. I want to tie into the emotions. So how are you going to make people feel about yep. your business? And that's where the uniqueness factor comes into play is about how you make people feel, not what you sell them. And yep. okay, how do you want to make them feel? Okay, how are you going to make them feel that way? How are you going to help them feel that way? And you just dig deeper into that. And it could be just as simple. I'm going to write five thank you cards a day. Yeah. And I'm an agent. And 99% of real estate agents are not doing that as an example. So it doesn't have to be, I've, I've invented the, the, you know, the, the cure for cancer. It can be just a small little thing like, we relish Kelsey. That was our differentiator. Mm -hmm. The burgers were awesome, but the culture was the differentiator. And so that's what I would do is uh, describe your child 10 years from now. And how are you making people feel? And how did you get to that point that you're making them feel that way? Oh, I really like that. And, you know, it reminds me of I. You can tell your children that. I will tell my children. <laughs> <laughs> my ghost children. Yeah, ghost children. <laughs> my fur children. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what I meant. <laughs> um, but yeah, I heard someone once say, like, before you ever deliver your first service, you should write a testimonial from a made up client who has a five star review for you, right? right. And like, like writing that. it out, like, when I worked with Rivers, I felt completely empowered. He was always there for me. He answered my questions, you know, like writing it as if it were to happen and realizing that, like, you do have the ability to take those points of differentiation that are written in that five-star review and then actually 
figure out how to integrate them into the service or the yep. product that you sell, right? So yep. it's really like reimagining like what you want people to say and what right. you do envision being those, um, yeah, those differentiating factors. Right. And, and so small little thing, just to emphasize that, I love it when you said, yeah, my girlfriend and I, we had so much fun. Yeah. Like when's the last time you went to a virtual event that you can say we had so much fun. Like yeah. that's impossible to make happen. Mm-hmm. So how'd you make that happen? And you're telling the emotions. You, you, even, you, you probably don't even remember what you made 10 years from now. You're just going to say, oh, these stuff no. are so fun. <laughs> I'll just remember that. Um, so my husband and then Hillary's husband were there too. And okay. uh, I saw him the next day and he's like, Kels, what were in those margaritas? Like we had, <laughs> he goes, we had way too much fun last night. And I was like, I know, like, I don't know what it was, but the experience was just perfectly curated. Yeah. And I don't know, like having the drinks in there was just, and the sociable element, like yeah, I will never fun. forget everyone calling sociable and unmuting <laughs> themselves on zoom and Hillary and I grabbing our drinks and, yeah. you know, cheersing and, you know, experiential well, is everything. Like if I have really a good experience i'm gonna go tell five friends because when they say how was your weekend guess what i'm gonna say oh well i attended this awesome chef tutorial it's those really um whether they're really good experiences or really bad experience that we talk about it's those different moments that we talk about we don't talk about mediocre when was the last time you said yeah i had this like really mediocre coffee yesterday you should go try it People don't say that, but they if don't. you have a coffee bar and you serve coffee with like a little love note and you shout yep. their name when you deliver it, I'm going to go home and tell my husband, I just had the crazy awesome experience at yep. the local coffee bar. And then he's going to be yeah. like, oh, can I go? Can we go tomorrow? Yeah. Right. Very so cool. well, I, I love that you, you've talked about that experience. That's where we are right now. I think we've moved to an experiential economy yes. more than anything. And so that's another element. For your for your listeners, for your viewers to be able to say, okay, how can I enhance the experience so it's unique, so it's a zag, so I get that feeling. I think that's the element piece that we're we haven't talked about. How do you get to that zag? You you, you focus on the experience, and that's hard to duplicate. By the way, it's mm-hmm. easy to buy something cheaper. It's easier to hire hire an employee, but it's hard to duplicate an experience. And there was a guy uh, I was talking to the other, they call him the Chicago three, because we're looking at doing business with these three great people from Chicago. And, and he said, he says, no, he says, you've got a, you've got a, a secret formula. And I said, no, I haven't got a secret formula. He says, anybody can do it. He says, dude, you got a secret formula. And it brought me back to that. Yeah. I figured out how to bring the experience to play with a team of people. And yeah. so thank you for that reminder of that. See, lesson learned, lesson mm-hmm. learned today for me guy that's been in this world forever. That's why it works. It's an experiential piece. While I have you here too, I know that you are somebody who has a lot of passion and knowledge in the realm of marketing in general. I'm curious, like for the person who's listening, who says, I'm not a marketer, or I have no idea how to build a marketing strategy. What would you say to that? Like, how can we flip that mindset and realize that like, we all can be marketers? I'm just curious what your advice is to the person who feels like they're just not good at it. You you might not like my answer (laughs) based on the fact of what you do with your business, but I say, don't do it. 
That's my okay. answer. No, I love that. Yeah. It's like, and, and because I, I, when I was, you know, when I was growing up, I still haven't grown up, but see, when I was <laughs> started a business working for a, 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 the telephone company in Nova Scotia, they said, Rivers, uh, you need to have some accounting experience. We're going to put you in an accounting course. Rivers, we need this because they're trying to make me knowledgeable in all areas. I hate accounting. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I took marketing for a reason in business school because I hate accounting. So there's a, there's a book called uh, good to great. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Before. I've heard of it. I haven't read okay. it though. Yeah. Jim Collins is a guy that wrote it, but he talks about, and, and get back to that piece of the marketing because it, it's, it's, it's an important play. And that's not going to eliminate any, any uh, people who should be hanging out with you to hang out because they've got a passion. They've got an interest. They've got a desire to yeah. learn it. But if you really aren't good at it, and you don't have an interest in it, then don't do it. Yep. Bring somebody into your team that likes to do that. I'm not, I'm not a chef. If this business relied on me teaching culinary skills, we wouldn't even be here, let alone me making any money. It just yeah. doesn't work. In that burger restaurant that I ran for eight years, honest to God's truth, I never made one burger the entire mm -hmm. time that I was there. I'm just no good at being in the kitchen. But I, I know chefs that are very good at doing it. So I always, I always go back to that play, do what you love to do and yeah. focus in on that and bring your teammates together because business is a team sport. It's mm -hmm. not an individual sport. So bring those people together who are good at the things that need to happen in order to make that happen. And the marketer go hang out with Kelsey to become yeah. better at what they do because Tom Brady's 43 years old. And he still practices every single day in yeah. trade. And so that's, to me, what's important. Don't wrestle with it because you'll drive yourself nuts trying yeah. to do stuff that you don't enjoy doing. You'll drive yourself nuts. And uh, that's, by the way, that's the curse of the beginning entrepreneur right there. There's a great book called E-Myth Revisited. I'm yeah. sure you've heard of that one before. Yeah. And it talks about that. Do what you're good at. Stay away from what you're not good at. Business is a team sport. Tom Brady doesn't catch the ball. He throws the ball. Yeah. I love that. And it's like the quote, I think it's like Frank Sinatra does not set up his own piano for every no. performance. You know, it's like you have to be humble enough to admit that you're not good at everything. And I do think that that is the curse of a lot of my audience because right. they graduate, say, from nutrition school and then they're starting this business and they're trying to wear all of the hats. Right. And, you know, maybe it's because they don't have the money to invest or because they think that this is not a team sport and that they just have to figure it all out themselves and be their accountant, be their salesperson, be their admin. But like truly, as soon as you start earning some money, one of the best things that I ever did was realize that there are people who are much better than me in a yeah. lot of different areas. And it's actually a return on investment to ask right. for their help, right? right? Because they can shine in their element while I step back and actually stay in my zone of genius right. and do better work and focus right. on launching new courses. And so, uh, but it takes, you know, it takes a journey to realize that like, I can't wear all the hats in my business. And hey, if I hate marketing, then See if there's somebody who loves it. <laughs> who loves it and be part of your team. I'd love to touch on that part you just talked about, the nutritionist, you know, the, the hairstylist, the massage yep. therapist or whatever. Again, yep. the school system sucks. Yeah, They suck because they teach them how to pay technicians and then they put them out into the world and they want to build a business. So they don't offer them any resources in their own facility to say, 
I'd it like to run me. my own business because they teach them to go work for somebody else. Yeah. And that's why they fail because the education system failed them. They never give them the right mindset going forward. And they're just yep. trying to figure this thing out. And it's a real shame. Really, It's something that I'm actually, yeah, like I'm <laughs> diving deep into that. I have a book somewhere around me. Um, basically, with this exact topic as the focus, it's saying we train all of these amazing people who are really good at their craft, but we don't train them how to sell, how to market their services, how to right. actually run a successful, thriving business. Right. And therefore they end up failing and then needing to go work for somebody else because yeah, exactly. they weren't taught these things. And, and I think that scared to go back and do it again. Absolutely. And you know, it's just, it's one of those like, aha moments of why aren't we teaching these vital skills to service providers who often yeah. are out on their own trying to figure out this whole business thing. Um, but you know, hopefully that's why this podcast can exist yeah, is right. because we want to yeah. share actionable advice and realize that maybe we do have to self teach these skills for the yeah. time being and share stories like yours that failure is part of the journey and don't be afraid of it. And you know, a lot of it is trial and error and, yep. um, learning less lessons in practice, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in wrapping up, I have a few quick fire business questions. So if you're We're open to already. it, <laughs> well, you know, great. if you want me to keep chatting with you, I certainly can. <laughs> we just respect our listeners time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so Rivers, you've mentioned a lot of books today. I'm curious, is there one book that you are constantly referring back to that has taught you a lot and that you would like to share forward with our listeners? So I, you know, I'm, I'm going to give a couple of go-tos, but then I'm going to give one that I rarely talk about, but actually had a huge impact on my journey. Okay. The first one is the, the E-Myth Revisited. That's the first one. And the second one is the four hour work week mm -hmm. to do what, it, to think like it asking you to think, don't do what it tells you to do. I just, it's in there for the mindset. And the four hour mm -hmm. work week is about putting processes around your business. Because if your business is, isn't about somehow allowing you the opportunity to not do your business that you still make money, then you really don't have a business. You have a job, right? Yeah. But, but there's a great book written a long time ago by a guy by the name of Mark Burnett. Does that name sound familiar to you? Is he a producer? Yes. You Survivor. The, uh, the castaway. What's it? The, uh, Survivor. The Survivor. Yeah. It, it's an amazing story of his journey. Uh, and he was a paratrooper in the United Kingdom um, um, Armed Forces. And that's where he started. Came to came to the United States on his way to South America. Never left. Uh, never left the United States. And it was a, it's a beautiful wonderful story of resilience of, of of zagging when everybody else thinks there's one story in particular that's in there that's absolutely freaking brilliant i'll see if your audience can figure it can find it love it um but it was just one of those ones that i said whoa look at that guy i did nothing what he created for himself just through various principles of life not about you know cash flow and so on that's important but principles of life and that guided him on, on building his, his, his empire, which yeah. he ultimately did. So, so that would be the, 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 the fun one. The other ones are more practical. The, Love it. The uh, four hour work week and the, um, e and the, the other one, the other, the podcast, the other podcast besides yours that I would recommend, and it's a little self-serving, but for Canadians in particular is the startup Canada podcast. 
Yeah. I was the uh, podcast host for that for three years. Rick Spence now does it. But there's an incredible stories of Canadian entrepreneurs that are being told that are raw, that are real. They are not Dragon Den style. Mm-hmm. And there's some amazing stories of potters up to Ryan Holmes, who owns Hootsuite at yeah. some point in time, right? So Amazing. I will link yeah. all of those in the show notes. So thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, in managing your busy daily schedule, are there any applications, pieces of software, systems, or <laughs> just things that keep you organized and accountable? Yeah, so I use a, I use a, a software called Octopus. Okay. To, to do my LinkedIn leads, I go, I go, I go during deep work sprints. That's what I do. I go hunting. I'm a hunter for a night <laughs> for a hundred minutes every day. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's my goal. I go hunting. And then I, then I went in the afternoon, I nurture, you know, I, I nurture the seeds that I planted and all that kind of stuff and hunting. So, so yeah, octopus.io is a, is a $20 a month service that is, allowing me to mine, reach out, do what I call cold connect, not yeah. cold call. I hate cold calling. Hate I it. hate that term. I, okay. So cold connect is a cold replacement connect. for cold call. Yeah. It's, it's based on understanding. This is the DNA. This is the profile yeah. who I want to pursue to have a conversation with to see if there's an opportunity because all, so all it is is a dating game. Yeah, that's it, all is. it is. Of course. It's just a freaking dating game. And yeah. so octopus allows that's one software that I use. Um, I, uh, I, I use, I'm an Evernote guy, you know, yep. I've tried the CRMs. I just, you know, I'm not a detailed guy. I live in the sky and it's like, you get it to this. So I use Evernote to keep track of all my notes. I'm a constant note taker of to do's and, yep. and, uh, and so I use Evernote to keep me and uh, keep me um, organized in that regard. And <laughs> Zoom.us has allowed me what's to build that? a business. <laughs> yeah, what's that? Just, I mean, think of how blessed we are to have that tool to build our virtual businesses for yeah. $20 a month. I know. It's insane. Anywhere in the world. It's incredible. Yep. yep. Love those. I will link all of those tools. Good suggestions there. And, you you know, my final question to you uh, here at the Visionary Method inside of our community, we're always trying to celebrate our wins, whether they're small or big, just to create that culture of celebration and to remind us that even like the slightest success should be celebrated. So I'm curious, have you had any small or big wins in the last few weeks that you would like to celebrate with our community? So there's, there's two things that I would like to focus in on. One, April of last year, none of this existed. None wow. of it. That's crazy to none think about. <laughs> and I was just, I was, I was just, I was having a celebratory day yesterday. And I just walked over to the local pub and I said, wow, Rivers. Yeah. Nothing existed. No teams. People are being paid money. They're making a livelihood of what I do. We're yeah. impacting corporations around the world. Uh, we're building what I want to be the Airbnb of restaurants. Cool. You could call it that. And so that's a big, big win for me. And then the second win is that um, I recently brought in three summer interns and one of them lives in Italy. Wow. Like, oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> and, 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 but here's the thing. She reached out to me. She was, she's 
18 years old, ladies and gentlemen. She reached out to me. She now has a summer internship. Smart girl. Smart girl. <laughs> it's like, good for her. And, and, and here's the thing. She's doing what she wants to do. That's the other thing with our interns. I don't give them a role. I say, here's the three roles. Which ones do you want? Yeah. And so I think it's very cool that I have people that I'm now working with in Australia, the UK, Canada, the US, and now in Italy. Little old Italy. And it's just, it's, it's so wonderful to uh, reflect upon that. So that little win of having her be allow me to brag about it right now, it just makes me feel so good about, about that happening. Mm, it's so cool to know when your vision is actually reaching like a global audience, right? Yeah. And that people outside of your town or your city are actually hearing about what you're up to and want to be part of the creation of this. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. truly incredible. Thank you. Yeah, it, it, but it's it, but I, I want to reinforce it's daily discipline. Yeah, daily discipline. <laughs> it it oh, doesn't come gosh. easy. Yeah, and you know I'm I'll I'll be at this tonight. Like, like yep. and so and a day seven days a week. I don't I take time to rest and enjoy, but it's daily discipline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's so true. And I think that's what people don't see about people like you and I. It's like we're working hard and right. yeah, we're we taking we're taking breaks. Of course, whenever you want, you can kind of take a break. But oh, my goodness, like I think back to the last five years and I was at my workspace, my co-working space, like 12 hours a day, just practicing that consistency and showing up for myself and staying yeah. accountable to what I said I was going to do and really figuring out like for me, since I haven't been an entrepreneur my whole life, like how to have structure in an yeah. otherwise unstructured um, lifestyle, right? Nobody was telling me where I had to be or what time I had to start, but I yeah. had to create that structure for myself because otherwise nothing gets done. So I think so that's... let me ask you this question. Um, if someone came along and offered you tomorrow a $100,000 job to stop doing what you're doing right now, would you do it? I would not because I made that mistake three and a half or four years ago and somebody offered me a hefty salary that I had never made in my life before to be the marketing manager of a big Canadian health food company. And I said yes because I thought I saw a shiny carrot in front of me yeah. and the first day I walked into the office, I felt sick. And wow. from that day forward, wow. every day I felt like an imposter of myself. Wow. I, at the four month mark, I pulled my manager who had hired me, who believed in me. And I pulled mm. him into a meeting and I said, I've made a terrible mistake and I cannot hide it anymore. And he's like, what? And that was my wake up call that like, you know, no amount of money uh, can take that entrepreneurial spirit yeah. out of me. They so, yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's a that, that I'm going to I'm going to tell that story yep. to entrepreneurs that I'm working with because uh, anyway, lovely. We're we're that's that's an awesome story. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. For sharing. Anyway, so yes, I've been through the the dangling shiny carrots, but um, okay. So in concluding. I've talked about my chef-torial experience and how much fun Hillary and our husbands had and how much fun I had. So if somebody would like to take a chef-torial, if somebody wants to connect with you as an individual, as somebody who's shared so much knowledge today, where should they go to find out more? So it was a couple of, for chef-torial, it's real easy, chef-torial.com. 
Easy. $11 a year. That's what I paid for it a year ago. I couldn't believe it. Kelsey. What a steal, honestly. You hit domain gold there. (laughs) Gold, gold. And so that's cheftorial.com. And the other one, my LinkedIn profile is just go to riverscorbett.ca. It's one of the things I love what you did for coming to this conversation today. It wasn't Zoom backslash 4293. It's visionary. What was the last person? Visionaryzoom.com. Visionaryzoom.com. It was lovely. So at riverscorbett.ca, please reach out. I mean it. I'm busy, but I will always find time to have a discussion with an entrepreneur. Always. Mm-hmm. Riverscorbett.ca. Connect. Say you saw me on uh, on uh, this wonderful podcast and uh, and we'll have a chat. I, I, I love, love that stuff. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Rivers. And can't wait to come to my next chef tutorial and to hopefully continue this friendship that we have. So thanks again. I know we're going to continue for sure. You're a rock star and uh, keep doing your magic too, my friend. Awesome. Have a good thanks. Weekend. There you have it. My episode with Rivers Corbett. Let's recap three awesome takeaways, shall we? So the first one is to make failure part of the process. As Rivers said, we need to normalize failure in our first five years of business. It's literally part of the process and it's all part of the learning phase. Yet we're also afraid of it and we do anything in our power to avoid failure or at the very least, we just don't talk about it. But failure isn't a bad thing. It's data. It's metrics to move forward in a bigger and better way. The next thing I want to double tap on is to zag when everyone else is zigging. This is actually a core value of the visionary brand. So I was pretty stoked to hear Rivers talk about this too. I loved his perspective on thinking outside of the box and not being afraid to do things differently. In fact, that's something we should all strive for. And it's something we reflect deeply on inside of the visionary method. And the last thing is to take care of you first. Nobody is immune to depression and dips, not even passionate entrepreneurs. Thank you, Rivers, for opening up about your dips. It's vital to know what keeps you feeling your best and to do those things daily or else you cannot show up for your business fully. Self-care, as much as that term has been overused, is truly the first priority in running a business because without you, there is no vision. So there you have it. That's it for my conversation with Rivers. I hope you go do a chef tutorial and I will catch you next week on the pod. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis. So it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode. P.S. Whenever you're ready, there's a couple of ways that I can support you. So first thing, if you're ready to make your first or next $50,000 in business, explore how the Visionary Method business coaching experience can accelerate your growth. There'll be a link in the show notes. Also, if you're feeling lost, confused, or overwhelmed when it comes to starting an online business, reach out and book a free revision call with me. I'll offer you customized recommendations on how to get unstuck so you can live a life filled with joy, happiness, and fulfillment.